everyone and welcome to Her Product Lab's virtual session. My name is Chelsea Masterson. I'm the host of the Her Product Lab podcast. If you don't know what Her Product Lab is, if this is your first time here, well, Her Product Lab is a community of motivated women in product management, and we're all here to help each other learn and grow. You could follow Her Product Lab as well on Run the World so you know all of the events that we're going to be having coming up. Sign up for our email newsletter, herproductlab.com, and of course, on Instagram at Her Product Lab. Well, we're thrilled for today's conversation because this is the first time, at least I've hosted one, that we have two guests instead of just the one. So this is exciting. We have Nicole and Jackie. Nicole and Jackie are best friends and co-founders who started Allie. They believe accessing feminine wellness products should be easy and sanitary. They created Allie, the new tampon dispenser at public restrooms with touchless cashless capability that allows women to dispense products using their smartphones. Allie was born out of the desire to for or des, desire to public spaces designed with women's needs in mind after years of women having little to no access to feminine hygiene products when and where they needed it most. Well, in the bathroom, of course, Allie was created to improve spaces women frequent and address the modern day women's wants and needs surrounding feminine care. They also offer a complimentary one to one donation model to help against period poverty. Thank you so much both for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having us. And let's start off with kind of talking about both of your career journeys to end up now with your own startup. So I'll jump in. Um, so I'm Nicole, that's my co-founder Jackie, and um, both of us out of college took a little bit different route. So I went into uh, working in a sales company for consumer goods, and Jackie jumped in to a law school, getting a law school degree. Um, and as you mentioned, Chelsea, we have been best friends for over 20 years. So along the way in those best friend conversations, you kind of talk about what your hopes and dreams are, what you're looking to do. And a lot of those conversations were about potentially starting our own business. Um, I personally had like an iPhone note with different ideas that I would help run by Jackie and she'd really keep me on course and say, hey, that one's not really good or that one might have legs to to work with. Um, And finally, there was one that we kept coming back to, which was this need to improve, you know, a problem that we faced every month pretty much, which was we'd be out in a public place pre-pandemic and we didn't have a hygiene product that we needed. And the only thing that existed were those metal quarter opera tampon dispensers that neither of us enjoyed using. Um, Neither of us carried coins really either. And then so we'd have to leave the mall or stadium or movie theater that we're at to go purchase an entire product um, and package in you know, a drugstore. So um, I felt that I had some good skills in the sales arena to try to maybe get a product off the ground. And Jackie um, personally had wonderful communications and PR skills and everything she's learned from law school. So we thought, well, maybe there's something we can tackle together. And I think really the driving force behind all of it was not only our own personal um, inconveniences that we face each month, but with the start of the pandemic, we looked around the restroom and we realized everything else had been modernized, right? The toilets, the sinks, the hand dryers, but this very important machine for women hadn't even been given a second thought. So um, finally the pandemic started. We said, you know, we had some downtime. We wanted to make the world a better place for when everyone is ready to go back out in public. And we got started. That's amazing. And it is, it is such a important issue for women and it's something that we don't think about. So in with that, can you tell us why you decided that exact problem was the one that you were going to tackle besides of course, the reasons just mentioned? I'll take this one. So I think because of how personal it was, I think that we really understood the market and the audience and the women that needed these products. And 
It was just something that at the start of the pandemic, like Nicole said, she had her notes and she would always give me business ideas. And I was always, you know, none of them stuck with me. And then this one, I was like, I didn't even think of that until she brought it up to me. And I thought that that was, I thought it was crazy because I thought, wow, this is something that affects me every month. And I haven't even thought twice about it. So I think the personal touch and the just the need for it at this given time, especially with the pandemic, because periods don't stop for pandemics. We've seen that hashtag everywhere. And that's something that right now women have, especially underprivileged women, have had to struggle with. They haven't had access to these products. So the donation model behind the, the mission is something that's very important to the business because without it, that's the heart of the mission is increasing accessibility for all women. So that's in the luxury spaces like the malls and, and public restrooms, but, it, but it's also taking care of the women who maybe can't go to the mall, can't afford to go to the mall. So we just thought it was timely and, and just timing wise, it, it panned out. But it, it is crazy to think when you were saying, well, all the other stuff is modernized in the bathroom. I mean, even vending machines at malls or wherever they you could use a credit card at it now. And the fact that it's still that way for feminine hygiene products is a little a little crazy because you would think that would be something else that just makes sense that would have been modernized already. And it's a problem. You don't realize the problem until somebody then pointed it out because I wouldn't have even thought about it until reading about you two. I'm like, oh, wow. No, that is a huge problem that nobody has yet to tackle yet. And it's one of those ideas you think, oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> love, love those ideas. But how did you build a prototype over the pandemic and then get it into to test locations? Um, So I'll jump in here. I would say, I mean, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of recognizing that you don't know a lot of things and being able and being willing to research and ask the experts. So um, I guess from one of the first things we did was try to get acquainted with what existed out there. So are there any machines like this already, which we found didn't exist? And um, specifically, you know, who would be someone to build this? So we started and we split up lists for manufacturers for who we would call and who would be able to try to help us build something like this off the ground. So it was a lot of phone calls, a lot of researching with different manufacturers. And finally, we settled on a, um, an organization that was able to bring this product to life. Um, but something unique I think we did that helped build the prototype was we actually surveyed over a thousand women in our local community and across the Internet to see you know, specifically what they would want in a redesigned dispenser. And we had four key theories that we wanted to prove. So we wanted to see if women want, you know, if cash was a problem, right? So the method of payment, right now, the existing solution required coins. We thought that our hypothesis was a cashless model would be better. Um, we wanted to know if they faced issues with reliability. So maybe they did have quarters on hand, but the machine was out of stock, the machine didn't work out of order. So we wanted to see if, you know, sometimes they lacked trust in even trying the machine. Um, we wanted to, of course, tackle the problem of touch, specifically in the height of the pandemic. I think even before the pandemic, they always had a little bit of a stigma of being kind of gross. So, you know, is that a barrier for women even accessing this machine if it's in place? And lastly was the quality of products. So, you know, you might have a coin, you might be willing to touch it and it might be in stock. Then the product you get is equivalent to like a one ply toilet paper and it's not very good, doesn't last long and might as well have just gone somewhere else for a solution. So we surveyed over a thousand women. We got incredible results that all supported this hypothesis. And so we decided instead of, folk, you know, I think we had dozens of other features we wanted to implement, but we thought that focusing on four core ones was going to be it. So we got the prototype built. We started off with four units. And then um, to answer the second part of your questions about getting into test locations, that's again, another um, piece that you really need just perseverance and persistence. 
I think we had these really lofty goals of where we wanted to start in all these locations, but sometimes it takes getting into a bit of a smaller player space to prove your concept and test the market. So we started off in a smaller shopping mall um, in our local area and then slowly started using that to build a reputation, make sure that it worked operationally and leverage that to some bigger spaces. Um, and we're excited now we're in three pretty large malls um, and expanding to another nine to 10 over the course of the next few months. So um, it's been exciting, but definitely, you know, step by step and just making sure that you can focus on the details along the way. On the kind of same track of expanding, we have a question from our chat. Are you going to ask school districts to put them in schools and partner with the health education programs, usually always, and whisper distribute products to new customers this way? Yes, so I we definitely want to work with schools and we've had a number of increase from schools where we've reached out and they've been um, looking for our solution. Right now, truthfully, the solution's a bit of a higher price point and not something that, as we are new, we're not able to sustain them free for schools and their budgets sometimes don't accommodate, but we are working on a smaller tier solution so that we can sustain local and public school districts. Um, but in the meantime, the donation model Jackie talked about does have a certain focus on schools. So we want to donate with local elementary schools and middle and high schools where the dispensers are placed to help make sure that these students can access the products free of charge. When you're launching a startup and you have all of these ideas, sometimes it can be kind of hard to then focus in on the problems you should tackle one at a time and you can kind of get lost in your own ideas. How did you go about prioritizing the features that you mentioned uh, for your prototype? Well, I think that it helped. Like Nicole said, we, we formed a hypothesis because it was personal to us. So I think we had an advantage there. We kind of knew what, what we didn't like about the current dispenser. So it kind of evolved also as the pandemic went on because at first we just wanted, we were thinking when we were thinking of the, the ideal solution, we thought, okay, um, as long as it has, it doesn't require coins, right? And then as we started looking for manufacturers and COVID became more of an issue or, or more prevalent and affected all of our lives, we realized that a touchless camp component was key and that women weren't going to feel comfortable. Women, like Nicole said, were already not comfortable touching these dispensers. So now even more so, and the sanitation component was so important. So once we had the survey results, we kind of just, we ran from there and we took away those four key elements. From there, it was kind of just working with the manufacturers to ensure that those four elements were top of mind and that the value proposition was there for women. You know, that everything that we did, we kept those four key features in mind. I will, I will say too, just so everyone knows, it's not as easy. Like at first I remember Jackie and I thinking, we were like, we don't need a screen at all. And like, just like making yeah. this, having this whole conversation, how manufacturers like were pushing screens and we didn't need them. And then slowly like that started evolving when we realized how we were gonna like help sustain the, the products and how we were going to like highlight the brands that were in there and the information. So it definitely evolved. If we were to show you all the initial sketches, I think it's a lot different from the final product. But I think if you have, like Jackie made it great, like those four key hypotheses and, and um, components that are kind of your North Star and help drive you, then you'll end up building the great solution out of that. It is funny you said that how women don't like to touch it. I think I've used one of those dispensers maybe once and it's so true they don't it's like whenever that mall or whatever was built was when that dispenser went in and it was never touched i don't know like i mean i'm assuming they clean them but they never looked that clean they're just these metal boxes that are just they're not great they're not great looking and they're just they don't i never I, you're right i never wanted to touch one and i never thought of it because it wasn't something luckily i've needed when i was out but if I did, I wouldn't have been happy about it. <laughs> 
And the same thing yeah. with the products in it. They are, they're not, they're the, they're not great products. And that's not something you don't want. You want the good one if you're going to have to use it. You're listening to the Her Product Lab podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Masterson. If you want to be a part of one of these virtual live sessions that we have each Friday, go to herproductlab.com and sign up for one of our future events and you can get your questions answered from one of our experts. Again, go to herproductlab.com to see the schedule and take part of one of these virtual live sessions. Um, we do have some more questions from our chat here. How receptive are potential partners when you pitch to them? Have you experienced getting no? Yeah. So, well, a little bit of both. Some partners really understand it and they just get it. But I think one of the challenges that we face is a lot of the decision makers in these spaces tend to be men. And so they haven't had the same experience firsthand that we have. So, you know, when we talk about this to a woman, it feels like almost immediately she understands the problem that she's faced or that someone she knows has faced. And the men take a little bit more of storytelling to get them to take a chance on it. Um, so we definitely have experienced our fair share of no's. And it's something that I think is just part of the journey when you're selling a new product that also requires a bit of education, right? So it's not something that, that men t- typically tend to understand firsthand. So um, I think one of the ways we've combated that is just coming up with unique analogies and make, focusing on the educational piece um, and focusing on their consumer, letting them know, hey, ask your wife or your sister or your daughter, you know, and, and helping them try to paint the picture for something they might have experienced similarly. If I can, if I can jump in also, I will say, I think that when we first started, I thought that getting through to the men, the male decision makers was going to be more difficult than it has been, which is really refreshing, I think, um, because I think that some, I think we've reached a place where we're starting to listen to each other more and men are more receptive of these issues and they realize that things need to change in the space and that women need to be more involved in making these decisions. Mm-hmm. So that was very, I think very refreshing for us. I mean, we have had our fair share of no's, but overall, I think we've had a pretty pleasant experience with having, you know, people from both sides understanding that this yeah. is something that needs to change for women. And another one from the chat here, was there a specific age range of women included in the survey? Uh, I think it was a variety. I can definitely go back and get the specifics, but um, it was it was majority. I think just the people that we majorly got were between 18 and 34 year old. And then we did have probably maybe 20 percent, uh, 34 to 54, and then maybe like five to 10%, 65 and up. And that makes sense though, because you're, you're more likely, I mean, maybe not, but you're more likely, like I know how many times that I have left the house without having tampons in my bag, even though I know it's coming, but I feel like maybe as you get older, I hope so. Actually, I should rephrase this. I hope I get better (laughs) at remembering this as I get older, but I guess at this point I probably won't because I've had to deal my period for X amount of years, too many years to forget it. To say that it's going to change as I get older, but it is what it is. <laughs> I, did, I did want to highlight as well, we actually offer, so we have five different products in there. So while our main focus is on the period space, so tampons and pads, we actually did want to encompass items for um, some of the older women who might be in the restroom or just other items that women kind of need on the go. So we also have included incontinence liners and deodorant wipes. Um, and currently we also offer masks given the current climate. So hopefully there is, you know, other products that maybe women didn't think they needed in the moment. And we want to be that first line of defense before they have to leave the venue they're at or be it further inconvenience to find the product that they need. 
I've also yeah. never heard of deodorant wipes. And this seems like a fantastic <laughs> thing that's out there that I probably well, should just like have in my bag because <laughs> like I forget my tampons. I have to keep deodorant in my bag and it takes up so much space because there's a good chance I forget to put it on before I leave the house. I'm just a mess. It's fine though. <laughs> also for the, for the mamas out there, we are starting to include diapers. So we want to make yeah. sure this is something that women can rely on for their needs in general. And that's what from the on the go women, the young woman, the woman who needs, you know, some support with incontinence or the mom on the go, we're that we're trying to cover all those areas. Yeah. Now, speaking about your customers and because you are serving such a wide variety of customers, what are you learning from them throughout this whole testing period of having these prototypes out there? Yeah, I think we're learning that women need these products. I mean, we, we had the survey and we had the, um, our own hypothesis because we thought we needed them, but actually seeing the solution used and used so frequently is it's almost scary that this was such a need and it hadn't been addressed until now, but it's also very, it's, it's nice. It's surreal to see that this is actually being used so frequently and it makes us very grateful i think to see that women are able to access these products in a reliable sustainable way without having to leave the venue that they're in or without having to face the embarrassment of walking around the venue that they're in with you know stained pants and that i mean when i first saw my period i was in a uh, amusement park and i was wearing white shorts of course and Oh no. I didn't know what was going on. I was with my older sister and I just remember feeling I still like I think about the the embarrassment that I felt in that moment. I was walking around like, oh, are people gonna notice? And that's not something that goes away, you know, as as you get older, you wanna make sure that, that that's not happening to you. So the results have been amazing. One thing I'll add, um, I think a really critical learning that could be helpful when you're de- developing a product that you're not exactly sure how it'll go is we had a hypothesis that we thought, for example, tampons would be used more frequently than pads. Maybe that was just our personal experience, but um, because our unit does offer a variety of different capacities, so we put you know, the tampons in the highest capacity area. What we quickly learned is that pads were actually more popular, at least in the areas that we're in. And so by you know, having that learning and now testing it over a couple of months and, months and analyzing that data, we're actually going to go ahead and swap out pads for the tampons so that we have to restock less frequently, give women a sense of more reliability. So always learning from your consumer. And I guess that in a way was somewhat asking them like what products they wanted most and what products they thought they'd use. And so by analyzing those trends, we're able to further, um, you know, specialize and perfect our uh, solution for women. And I love that you you do want to kind of expand what you're doing here, not just having these uh, dispensers out in, in the public, but can you tell us about your mission to make feminine care free for all? Like we've said, it's all about accessibility. That's our goal. And the ideal solution would be to have these products be free because they're as necessary as toilet paper. So right now we try to charge, they're affordable, they're about a dollar each, but that's something that eventually down the road through the help of our sponsors that we'd love to make free for women because even, you know, we we just want to be able to make it so that they don't have to think that it's a luxury item for them at all because it's not. So that's definitely something that we hope to do sooner rather than later. And with that, increase the access for all women and further expand the donation model and being able to reach as many women as possible with our solution. 
You're listening to the Her Product Lab podcast. I'm Chelsea Masterson. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. Go to Her Product Lab on Instagram or, well, at Her Product Lab on Instagram. Follow us there and sign up for our email newsletter. Go to HerProductLab.com. And do you have any tips on how to build relationships and network when you're, well, in experts in the field for something that you might not be too familiar with yourself? I would say, um, I think we're going to have so many stories about this or like topics, but in summary, just like you have to do it, right? So you have to pick up the phone and make that phone call and write that email and find the person on LinkedIn um, because people are willing to help. I think that's one of the big learnings that we've taken away from this whole journey is that First of all, we're not experts in a lot of things. And if we want to leverage insights from people that are experts, right, they're willing to help if you phrase it the right way and if you make yourself a little vulnerable and reach out. Um, actually, one of our first big wins back almost a year ago when we started was there's um, a business with a similar you know, solution that's trying to increase accessibility for breastfeeding moms, right, so that they have a safe space to breastfeed when they're in public. And we saw that their model was similar to ours. They had a comparable mission, and we thought we'd send them an email to see if you know, they'd be wanting, willing to kind of mentor or give us some advice. And to our very pleasant surprise, they answered. So uh, we've been able to connect with the co-founder on a few occasions, glean some insight from her expertise, and just learn from those who have paved the way before us. But um, it does take sitting down and doing it and doing your research. And I would say also being willing to help them back if there's a way you can. Right? So offering, you know, what can we do to help further your mission or how can we work together? Um, and making sure that you follow up because everyone does have a really busy calendar, especially over the past year. Um, so making sure you you kindly and politely follow up. Um, and I think people appreciate, you know, a nice little nudge and they do appreciate when you're willing to help back. So um, that'd be my tip of advice. So how is it working with is your co-founder being your longtime best friend? And how are you two navigating this new version of your friendship? Well, I, I definitely think it helps that we've been friends for 20 plus years now because we've had the time to build our relationship and, you know, build healthier habits. Because I do think when we were younger, we would, you know, we would have our arguments. And that's something that as we've gotten older and matured, I mean, we went to elementary school, middle, middle school, high school, college together. So we've been through thick and thin together. And I think just learning your own boundaries and learning your business partner's boundaries, your best friend's boundaries is key because, you know, there are days where I need Nicole to pick up the slack a little bit because I'm swamped with school or, you know, just I'm having a bad day and having someone who understands you and is, you know, wants to have the best result for the business. At the end of the day, it's about how can we, what's going to be best for the business and our friendship, because we had a discussion in the beginning that our friendship came first and that we were going to communicate as much as possible along the way to avoid any roadblocks that were unnecessary or, you know, any falling out that we don't think that that's necessary. So I think key to that is establishing those boundaries and communicating when you feel like, you know, when you just, when something feels off or you feel that you're not happy with a certain arrangement or whatever, I think just the same things for any relationship. You know, they say communication is key. I think that applies here as well. And personally, I think it's been so fun to see us grow through this process and find out things that we're good at and things about each other that we didn't know beforehand. You know, like I, I've always pictured myself as to be like a more of a creative and Nicole is more very disciplined, very about the logistics and bottom line. And I think we've surprised ourselves throughout the journey and 
with certain things, I'm more concerned about the bottom line and she'll be worried about something completely different. And I think it's so cool to see us evolve in that way and to grow with each other. So, and it definitely helps to have a partner, someone to go along this journey on with, because I think oftentimes when I'm feeling doubtful, she'll be the one to lift me up and vice versa. And that keeps us going. It is also nice to have a co-founder for like the same reason you just mentioned of, you know, one person is concerned about this aspect. Another person is concerned about this aspect and you're able to meet in the middle and you're able to see more than just problems that only one person could see. So you get multiple, you get at least two people to see the problem and be able to tackle it um, and also have two different perspectives while you two grew up together. So there's a good chance that a lot of the things uh, are similar, but there's still differences. So you still have both of them being brought to the table when creating your, you know, your product, which is awesome. I think like any relationship Jackie mentioned, you have to have a certain level of trust. And I think having a friendship for 20 years, that trust is built in. So you have to know that that person also has equal ambition and goals for the company and that they're going to spend the budget the right way or that they're going to make the decision that's in the best, best interest. So, and I think even two co-founders who maybe didn't know each other for so long, but choose to work together, you have to establish that baseline level of trust. Um, and like, I've learned personally, I, I, I don't know if micromanage is the right word, but I really like to just review everything before it goes in. Right. And I have to just trust that sometimes Jackie like has got it, like she's got it and we don't need to review it. And I think like, you know, she definitely helps me and like push, like helps push things through and say, okay, we got to get this done. And there's not really time for that. So just being able to learn and and I just really want to reiterate for everyone that communication is important because I think if either of us held any grudges or resentment for things like that, maybe we disagreed about and we didn't talk about it, the business wouldn't be able to succeed. So um, definitely communication and trust is just the last two things I'd add there. And we have another question from our chat here. Did you do this full-time since the beginning or are you doing this full-time now? No, I'm not full-time since the beginning or currently. Um, I still have a full-time job in sales and Jackie's a full-time law school, school student, um, but maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> and how has that balance been for both of you? Um, I'll say for me, it's, I think the pandemic has been a little unique because truthfully you know now if I like stay home on a Friday night to work on the business there's no phone about like what else is going on because no one's really doing much so um in, in one small like fortunate way I think uh, I've been able to have extra time to work on this but I think um you have to make sure that you do set boundaries in place for other things that are important as simple as like cooking a healthy meal or going to the gym or spending time to spend with friends and family because if you don't at least in my experience it's very easy for the startup to just take up every other waking hour of the day um but I think I know, I think so far it can be done. It just takes a little bit of extra effort and persistence along the way. And um, my personal kind of motto is like, I'd rather maybe work double as hard for a few years than half as hard for the rest of my life. And, you know, finally bring out something to the world that I think is impactful. So it's not easy and it takes a lot of long hours, but I think if you're dedicated and if you focus on the North Star of why you're doing this and you're connected to the mission, um, there's there's ways to find hours in the day to make to get it done. I also think that it's important to remember that you're going to have bad days. I mean, yesterday, just in my experience, yesterday was a bad day for me. And I had to give myself the grace to, to not beat myself up over that because we are going to have days that aren't as, you're not as productive as other days. And I think like Nicole said, sticking to your boundaries and trying to have a schedule where, you know, I know that having at least 30 minutes of exercise a day, keeps my mind clear and it helps set the tone for the rest of the day. 
So I try to implement that every day because I know that that's helping me in the, at the end, you know, even when I'm feeling not my best, especially when I'm not feeling my best, that's when it's important to implement those healthy habits. So I think giving yourself some grace and being compassionate with yourself is huge and not burning out because like Nicole said, these are long hours. And especially when you're not doing this full time, I mean, I, I have to read a, a lot for school and I have to do assignments and things like that. So I have to make sure that I have a healthy balance. If not, I'll, I'll lose it. Well, thank you both so much for doing this and joining us today. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing hopefully your product in my area soon, because I think it's a fantastic underserved need that, uh, like I said, didn't think was a, was, I didn't think of the issue until it was brought up today. So it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Her Product Lab podcast. Make sure you get in on one of these live sessions. They're a lot of fun. It's our virtual live session that we have experts come on and share their experiences on a variety of topics and get your questions answered. Go to herproductlab.com for the schedule and to sign up for one of those sessions. And don't forget to also follow us on Instagram at Her Product Lab.